Greetings, troubled listeners, and welcome to the Troubled Men Podcast. I am Renee Coleman, sitting in the ring room with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Thank you, Renee. And always, the drama, the yeah. dramatic <laughs> way that you introduce me, you know, I'm it never makes sure. me feel good. It good, makes good, me good. feel good. Because not many things make me feel good, yeah. you, know, you know, but that always makes me feel good. <laughs> I like it. You good. Know, how, I'm never sure how I'm going to do it. It's, yeah. I always do it. The read's yeah. a little bit different the every time. The tone is a little different yes. every week. Yes. Inflections yes. on certain words and stuff. <laughs> I know. And, and, and I appreciate it, you know. I do, because I don't have much going on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some of the only variation yeah. in your life. Yeah. <laughs> if only my wife and child would say something. Would try like as that. hard as I do. Yeah, I would try that hard <laughs> instead of just, you know. My daughter sits there. You know, my daughter is like... Um, Remember that old cartoon? I forget what was it. Uh, Mr. Magoo. No, okay. <laughs> that's my wife. <laughs> oh, <okay. No. laughs> Ouch. No, um, my daughter's like that girl, that cartoon who uh, she'd just lay in bed all day eating chocolates and being on the phone. What was that girl's name? Huh, Betty right. Boop or something. Oh, like that. is that right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. So I, you know, I, I, we've talked enough about my family on right, this right. show. Uh, so how's your week going? Uh, it's you know so so. Uh, I, done counting, done with the inventory over. Yeah, at, that uh, was done. Okay. That was pretty painless. All right, yeah, you yeah. know, I just have to watch. You were people. just watching. Yeah, right, I just right, watch. Right, right. Anyway, that's. I don't want to talk about my sure. show. What I want to talk about is you know I don't go out much. You know, right. I get out. To do this yes. gig here that we do, and then you go once home. in a while I'll go see a gig, or maybe once in a while, right? And I usually disappointed yes. with the gigs. Yeah, you don't like going. Yeah, out generally. Um, so, but the one thing I do do is um, I do the grocery shopping for my family, right? Because I can't trust them. Yeah, you know, they'd y'all would back. all starve if yeah, it was up yeah, to yeah, them. Yeah, I'd starve yeah. exactly. <laughs> you know, but so. I go. I do my routine. There's a certain market I go to for certain stuff, and there's another okay. market, and then I go to the local chain here okay. that we have, and I go to the fish counter to get some. My wife says, "Pick up some catfish fillets," because mm. I want. She wants to do some kind of fancy catfish taco or something like that. Okay, you know, which are very good. They're very good. My okay. wife's a great cook. Oh, that's good. She's like every good cook. She's really good, but then the kitchen is like you know. Uh, like a hurricane went through there. And then that's your job, too. Yeah, that's my job, too. That's, Clean up. That's, yes, I know. Yeah. Uh, my nickname at home is Landfill. No. <laughs> no. Um, anyway, um, so I'm waiting. In, there's, what, there's one woman in front of me, and the, the fish guy's helping her. And she says, give me two, I want two cuts of salmon, about a half pound each or whatever. And the guy's doing this. He's cutting the salmon. He wraps it up. He prices it. He hands it. She goes, she goes, oh, by the way, can you give me also two catfish fillets? So he grabs two fillets. He wraps it up. He prices it. Gives it to her. She says, thank you very much. It's like everything's going smoothly as far as I can tell. Right, yeah. So I go up there. I go, hey, oh, excuse me. I also need about six catfish fillets. And the oddest, weirdest thing, he looks at me, and then he just, like, under his breath, he shakes his head and goes, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just... Your hand swear. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I swear. But he says it at a volume, like it's like one or two. Uh-huh. It's not 11. <laughs> right, 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 It's like one or two. And he's like... And he looks like a real New Orleans, like, yak kind of uh-huh, guy. He's right, got a right. Saint's cap on. Right. He's got the unshaven, like, two weeks without uh, right. shaving. So. What do you think but that was about, was like, man? I, I, that's what I couldn't understand because I, was, I wasn't, like, behind the lady going, 
fuck, what's taking right, so right, goddamn right, long? Right, 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 right. You're being perfectly I was reasonable. Pe- yeah, 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 yeah. You know, in fact, I was kind of nursing a hangover, so I was just kind of like right, with head, my head, head down. down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that kind of stuff. But he just said, Jesus Christ. And he grabs the six fillets, he puts them, he wraps them up, and he goes, Why? You know, yeah. this is what I go through. Every day, every week, there's something like this that happens. You know, well, Jimbo was talking about how when the cops see him, they automatically don't yeah. like him. It's Maybe it's like that with you. You know, certain service personnel, you know, they just, yeah. they, look, they don't like the look on your face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that could be. It's, it's probably now his fish counter people, um, librarians. DMV. DMV, uh, IRS. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, so... That's how my week started. Thank okay. God uh, it was a short, it's a short week. And, um, but, you know, whatever. I guess uh, I just, maybe I just give off a vibe or something. Yeah, I've always liked you. I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't get it. No, it's like, I, I, I can see the way other people yeah. look at you, but I don't get that either. Because like, right. I was like, what's wrong with Manny? He's a fun guy. I like him. Right. I don't know. We always have fun together. So another thing I just want to talk about before we introduce our really special guest yes. tonight. Um, you know, uh, like I said, I don't go out much. Right. You know, when I do something, something like a fish counter guy happens to okay. me. You know? But so I, I stay at home a lot, and um, I find myself, you know, doing lots of chores around the house. So I found something really fun to do. Oh, okay. And I, I, I'm going to tell the whole nation to do this, the troubled nation to do it, because it's a lot of fun. Because, you know, I've done things like I, I found out that the microwave works just as well with a door and without a door. <laughs> It works just as well, <laughs> you know. But I found out that um, taking a shower in the dark is a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, because yeah. you know where you are. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. Right? I know where the towel is. I know where the soap is. You know, okay. I know where the, the water's coming from. Right. <laughs> so, nation, if you. Just think about it. Yes. It's a lot of fun. I like it. Take a shower in the dark. <laughs> Switch it up, man. Yeah, because I don't do baths. I don't do okay. them anymore. Okay, you, know. you don't trust them. No, I don't, I don't trust it. <laughs> but showers in the dark, a lot of fun. Okay, all right. Uh, well, that's, that's a, a new And how twist. was your week? <laughs> uh, my, 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 was, my week has been good. It's, it's been filled with uh, learning tunes. So I had, I, I had to go out on the road with, uh, with uh, Papa, Gro, Papa John Grow and... Yeah. and we had three jobs, one of which was a five-hour gig involving, like, f- well, five hours of music. So we had to... Now, I've played like a, with him a, n- a number of times before, but he has such a big book. You know, any set that he pulls out, it's like... Was well, it like Farm Aid or... What, I don't know. You know it was like, wound up being like the, the final... Well, it was, first, it was two club gigs in uh, Austin and, and uh, Dallas. And then, okay. And then some exhaustive drives. So we played Dallas, you know, got done about 2 a.m. on Friday night. Had to get up, leave the hotel at 6 a.m., drive 500 miles from Dallas back to New Orleans, and make a 5 o'clock load-in at Rock and Bowl in preparation for a three-hour wedding followed by a two-hour club set at Rock and Bowl. So five hours of playing music. Oh so we had to have all, that much music. So I had to have all that stuff under my hands, and that what, you know, particularly always adds a few tunes, had to learn those. And so then... While all this is going on, this other guy who I've played with like twice or three times before calls me and goes, hey, can you make a, uh, a <laughs> Sunday afternoon four-hour gig or evening? So I was like, sure, you know, because that's, that's what we do. We just say yes, you know, say yes. Right. So, so now I've got to, he gives me the book. So I got to take it in my bag I'm, while I'm riding in the van. I'm like filing through these tunes, just looking at it. I'm going, yeah, I kind of remember that chart. Okay, I remember that. And then 
today I had a rehearsal for another three-hour rehearsal for 28 new songs that I have to play on Thursday that I've never played with a band with I've never never played these songs and I'm playing with a band I've never played with before. Right. So I went through an exhaustive so three-hour rehearsal. It's it seems like, well, you're just sitting down or standing in one place. Like, how much energy can you be burning? Right. It's exhausting. And we're going to talk about this with our guest because he does a similar kind of work that, you know, it's just so much concentration, so much brain calories that you're, so many brain calories you're burning up. Okay. That it's three hours. It's like working an eight-hour day. You know, you get done, you feel like you've been digging a ditch or something. So let me ask you something. When you play weddings... Okay. You play now. You were playing one, one with this Legro guy with John Grow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Grow. Okay. So, so does the wedding couple say we want you to play this, or well, you just have a set list and say this is what you get? Well, many times they they will have a few songs that they want to play. Now, I have to correct myself. I thought it was a wedding going into it. Turned out it was actually a fiftieth wedding anniversary oh, okay. party. So, okay. So, so there wasn't any. There wasn't the dance with the bride and groom or the the bride and her father. I, I right. think, you know, at this point, the, the father's yeah, the was, father is gone. Uh, he's, he's out of there the picture. There wasn't any Lionel Richie going. No, on. no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. we, you know, we played. They they knew what kind of you know he 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 has a certain you know repertoire. He plays a lot of New Orleans music. Okay. You know, a lot of New Orleans piano music, and you know it's it's good times. It's, right. it's great. You know, it's all gr- gr- great stuff that that uh, that he plays. And we had had uh, um, Big Chief Monk Boudreau came out with his uh, his queen and his drummer. So he had three full. Uh, Mardi Gras Indian, fully dressed Mardi Gras Indians with full feathers and regalia, and we did 20 minutes of backing them up. That was pretty wow. cool. Yeah, that was fun. Anyway, and now, you cried at the wedding as always. Uh, I, well, no, I didn't, but I did go. I did bury a friend of mine yesterday, and I was welling up in the service. You personally so, buried him? Uh, well, I did. Yes, because it was a Jewish funeral, and you know when you go to a Jewish funeral. It's quick. You well, it, fa- they bury fast. The well, Jews. well, yeah, but I'm saying the actual burial, mm-hmm. like the family starts off working the shovels, wow. really? and then the extended family takes over working the shovels, and then and then the, the help other people. And no, well, you know, and the idea being that you shouldn't have to be buried by strangers. You know, this it's like a mitzvah to to you know to bury your family and to attend these these kind of it's a it's a it's a life cycle event. You know, it's the final life cycle event, really. When you think, I mean, well, you don't have to think too hard, but but uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, do so, they put the little pebble on the tombstone? No, that, do that? that you do that later on. Like you come and visit the uh, visit the the grave site, and actually, you don't put a headstone up until a year after, like on the the, okay. the year memorial. Now they do the pebble because they're too cheap to buy flowers. Is that uh, it? You know, it's it's more it's more uh, it's 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 more of a humble a humble uh, effort. You know, uh, it's not yeah yeah. It's, uh, okay. Yeah, it's you uh, know of, of the earth. You know, it's I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, because I've been to I've been to sure, I've been yes. to you know I grew up with a lot of uh, friends who were Jewish. Right. And I went to some funerals. Yes. And stuff and and I and 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 a friend of mine whose dad was a rabbi. Mm-hmm. I asked him about. Why you put the pebble up right. there? And he said, "Because we're too cheap to buy flowers." Well, you see, because Jews love to joke about yeah, exactly. Judaism and, and everything said. else. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. I said, "Well, that makes total sense to me, you right. know, because they right. just dye the flowers, right?" Yes. You know, yes. So why waste, you know, yeah. twenty bucks on a bunch of flowers? Yeah, the pebble's been there for yeah, the pebble's uh, for, there for forever, thousands right. of years. Yeah. 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 So okay. anyway, well, enough <laughs> about about my uh, my week. Yeah. So I want to get to our guest. Uh, I've known him a bunch of years. We've we worked together on several occasions. Started off, he's a trained attorney, practiced law for, for a bunch of years. 
kind of snuck into his his new profession. His, he's been his second profession, third profession. I don't know. He's done a lot of things through a very interesting uh, avenue. He, he, he was a hi-fi, he's part of the hi-fi underground. And, uh, you know, these guys that, that uh, get together and, you know, listen to, they're listening to music, but they're really listening to a hi-fi system. We're going to get into that. Um, so, and then now he's a, he's a mastering engineer. And most people that haven't made a record themselves don't know what a mastering engineer is. But we're going to get into that because it's fascinating work. So without further ado... Mr. Bruce Barriel. Welcome, Bruce. Hey, good to see you guys. <laughs> yeah, Thank man, you for inviting welcome. me. Welcome. Yeah, absolutely. What a pleasure. Yeah. Honored to be here. Yeah, man. So, so, Bruce, you are from New Orleans? Right. Born and raised here. Okay, where'd you go to high school? I went to Ridgewood. Ridgewood, okay. Uh-huh. Um, Little small school. I think we had 38, 40 people in our graduating class. Wow, no kidding. What neighborhood did you grow up in? I grew up in Old Mattery. Okay, right on, yeah. right on. Uh-huh. Um, and then so you went to LSU? Went to LSU, yeah. And, and you, you, was that LSU Law School? or I went to LSU undergraduate uh-huh. in like zoology and biochemistry and stuff like that. Okay. And then, but then you, you went to law school? Many years later. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, I got out and did every job under the sun. My, huh. my first, when I was in college, my then-girlfriend gave me a camera, and I, I promptly quit studying and just went to the library and looked at photo books. Right. And uh, then did photography right Right out of college, I, I lucked out and got a job with this guy named Frank Lotz Miller, who turned out, I had no idea, turned out to be the best architectural commercial photographer in the city. Oh. And uh, in fact, one of his clients was Curtis and Davis Architects. I think it's Quint Davis's dad. Yes, absolutely. And uh, they were building the Superdome at mm-hmm. the time, and we, we photographed the construction of the Superdome. Wow. And when, like, when Better Homes and Gardens magazine would come to New Orleans to do a spread on, <clears throat> on New Orleans architecture, they would always hire Frank. So I was the peon. Frank was the head guy, right. Robin Boylan, and I was the, the young guy. Is the Superdome uh, built on haunted ground or somebody's famous... Man, you got to ask somebody else. Well, huh? it, it is partially. It's not the, the like part of the parking lot was was covering the uh, Gerard Street Cemetery, which, which oh, okay. yes, that's, that's a, a documented fact. And they did exhume all those body or as many as they could find. You know, it's, right? Um, you know, yeah. I'm sure they didn't get every single one of them. Okay. Anyway, so so then you you wound up going to to law school. I want to rush ahead through this. Yeah. Then sure. you practice law. Right. And right. and you must have been happy you did that for some. Uh, How long it, did you mi- do that? it was a mixed bag. I love the intellectual part of it because uh-huh. it, it's interesting. Every every case is different, but right. they don't tell you when you go to law school that if you if you do litigation, you have to be fighting with people all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I just one day I just <laughs> woke like up and I, and I just said, "Man, life's too short to spend it seriously <laughs> yeah. d- doing this crap." And it was about money. Yeah. And you know, I mean, I like to pay my bills like everybody else, right. but there's better things to be worried about than, than money you know that you can make art and whatever right and so I just said this just really sucks and r- r- right about that time is when I met my friend Ethan okay. who w- was responsible for me getting into mastering and if you want to talk about that now or later I'll, I'll tell you yeah, that yeah, story yeah. how long did you practice law though I'm guessing uh, maybe five or six years okay so like that. it was that's not that to me not, that's not that long really it was, I, I went late in life, I, I was 35 years old, oh, okay. and a friend of mine who was a lawyer said, "Hey, Bruce, you'd be a good lawyer." And I, you know, I didn't know any better, so right. I, I jumped into it. But <laughs> the, might be right. But the one good thing about it in law school, I met Meredith Witten, who okay. I've been with ever since, oh, and nice. so it worked out great. She, she's a lawyer at, at Tulane now. Oh, okay. She's in their litigation office. But anyway, um, 
so I'm, I'm practicing law in this mixed bag and I'm just hating the paperwork and hating right. fighting with people. And I, I, I've been playing music my whole life. Okay. And I finally had, for once in my life, had a couple of bucks to buy some gear. Mm-hmm. So I'm buying some recording gear, a little inexpensive pieces and I, I meet a few friends and I happen to meet Ethan Allen no, Ethan re- Allen. no, yeah, yeah. no relation to the furniture company but Ethan was Dan Lanois house engineer and right. Dan Lanois is the producer who did yeah, U2 yeah. David Byrne Brian Eno and all those guys and yeah. he had the, this mansion on Esplanade Avenue that used to belong to Jermaine Wells yes. uh, called Kingsway, Kingsway sure. and it started out at his, as his home from what I understand and he had this great gear he had the console, the API console, that used to, that they used to do the Jimi Hendrix records on uh-huh. back in the day. So he had this good gear in his house, and he starts doing records. And, and my friend Ethan was his house engineer. Sure. And I met Ethan, and he, start, he invites me to come over, which I, I realize now how special that was because th- most of those sessions were closed. You know, they don't want a bunch of strangers in there right. making noise and trying to hobnob with the famous people. Right. <clears throat> And I never really cared much about the famous people. What I loved was sitting on the couch in the back of the room and listening to the music yep. as it was being laid down mm-hmm. and watching the process. And so because I didn't bother the celebrities, they kind of gave me this open-door policy. Okay. So I could, it, 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 it was just me sitting by myself on the couch. Right. And it was Ethan and Trina Shoemaker, who I'll talk about in a little sure. bit. No, no, good friends of ours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the yeah. console. And I'm listening to this amazing music and stuff. And this went on for a long time. And then one day, Ethan turns to me and says, he said, Bruce, you should be a mastering engineer. Out of the blue. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of random. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking... But a good call. Good, 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 you know. Yeah. And my only involvement, as you mentioned earlier, for years I had done been what they call the audiophile, where friends would get together and we would listen to our stereo systems and we would change cartridges or we change speakers Different or we change preamps what, yeah, right. and you just listen to like the same record and, and is it better is it worse or right. whatever so in a way there was a little bit of self-training of, yeah. of my ears there i guess no absolutely. i never knew where it was going i just right. was doing it for fun so ethan says well bruce you should be a mastering engineer i said what do you mean he says you know he says there's nobody we trust here in new orleans there's like yeah. one guy in la one right. guy in new york whatever i said ethan i don't know anything about that and he says, well, you know, he says, you sit back on the couch, and he says, you never volunteer your opinion. Uh-huh. You know, and, and, and you, you, you've so been in a bunch of yes. recordings, yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah. a lot of people, oh, this is wrong, that's wrong. And I would, he says, you never volunteer your opinion, but whenever I ask you, you have an opinion. Your, 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 your answer is, according to him, spot on. You know? Right. So I said, well, thank you. That's really nice. So he says, well, look, this is the amazing thing. <clears throat> he says, if you decide you want to do it, I'll send you work. Wow, I'm thinking Talk about faith, man. I'm thinking yeah. I've never I've never done it. So I said I don't know. So I go home and I'm thinking, man, what have I got to lose? For sure. Right. Yeah. So there were really no books on it or anything. But I figured, shit, I'll just buy some gear. So I bought some gear, and sure enough, Ethan sent me a record, and the first record was yours. Right. Right. The uh, iguanas. The iguanas live, live in Wolf Trap. Yep. I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I listened to it. And I thought, I'll just turn some knobs. I thought, wow, it's sounding pretty good. And, and by the way, a beautiful record you have. It's big and oh. three-dimensional. And, 
and beautiful playing and great recording and stuff. So it made it easy for me. Yeah. And, and I, I mastered that. And before you know it, I start getting calls from other people. Yep. Bruce, can you do mine? Well, okay. So I was mastering at night. You know, I'd practice law during the day. Okay. <laughs> so, so let me ask you, when you were sitting on the couch there, yeah. just sitting, listening, uh-huh. who, who were the bands you were listening to? Um, that you weren't, you know, you know, Gaga. I mean, you were just there listening. You weren't like being a pain oh, in God, the butt. Was that like Emmy Lou? Was were you there for that? I, I met one? her there. Okay. And uh, what was the girl? I'm, I'm terrible at names. What was the? What's the girl that did all the punk stuff with the uh, grayish hair? Kind of the mother. We, we did a. I built a mic, and she she tried my mic out there. Oh, not Patty Smith. Patty Smith. Met oh, Patty wow, Smith okay. there, and. Um, and a lot of smaller bands that I didn't know the names of, right. you know, independent artists and right. stuff that would come through. And usually I wasn't there for the whole session. I'd come right. in just, just for a few hours. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, w- I was not there for any really big, big bands. Like oh, I wasn't okay. there when U2 was there. Right. Yeah, well, yeah. they have probably a closed session. They don't Who's that guy? Don't right. Know. I don't know. Right. But, yeah. Go ahead. No. Although La- I think Lanois had moved to L.A. at the time. I think he had some legal problems where some woman was... Yeah, suing yeah. him yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Was, yeah, yeah. I won't even mention her name because she is litigious. But, yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, local local New Orleans uh, stalwart was uh, was ha- actually hounded him out. Drove of the him city. out of town. Yes, right, yes, right. Yes. So wow. he left, and Ethan was just kind of running the, right, the running studio. The right. Yeah. So so um, let's get into to what mastering is. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I always say, like you know. Mastering is is the last chance to ruin your record. Yes, it's it's your you know it's the you can have a <laughs> yeah. good record now you can't really fix a bad record in mastering it's not possible um, I, I don't think so you know mm-hmm. but uh, but you can make a, a good record sound really much better and and great right. but you could also fuck it up and I've seen easy it, to do and I think that's yep. what Ethan was talking about is like having someone in New Orleans because. When you do, when you have a record mastered uh, remotely, you send it to them, and then they, mm-hmm. they do what they think based mm-hmm. on some of your notes, and they send it to you, and you're like, well, no, that's not even close, man. Right. Right. And then, you know, when you try to convey these, these very s- nuanced subtleties mm-hmm. through words, people almost always overshoot. It's they, you, you know, you mean a 1% difference, and... Even if you tell them that, it winds up being a 10% difference. Right, and right. And now it's a dog chasing its tail. Right. It, it's really, really hard to describe stuff in, in words. That's like if I get a new client that comes in, I'll usually ask them to send me a couple of commercial recordings of, of stuff that they like. Right. And the reason is, I'll, I'll back up a little bit. There's, there's a million ways to professionally master a record. And like... On one end of the scale, there's like the big bottom end, like rap and hip-hop stuff. Right. And on the other end of the scale, there's the bright in-your-face, kind of squashed pop and rock stuff. Right. And then everything in between. And th- they can all be right. The question is, what's right for your record? Right. For you the know, music so, and for what you're looking to get out of it. Right. Because you, you've got an artistic vision and... I don't know that artistic vision mm-hmm. when it first comes to me. I know maybe what I like. So what I, what I do these days, which is maybe a little different than some other people, is when all the mixes come in, I'll usually pick one mix or ask the client to pick one that's kind of representative of the, of the record in general, and I'll master that one first uh-huh. and send it to them. And if I've gotten it right and they like it, we're golden. Yeah. And I can just do the rest of the record in that same style. Right. And if I've missed it, let's say you want 
bigger bottom end or, mm. or brighter or louder or whatever, we can adjust that first one and get it exactly right. So yes. everybody's happy. And then I can use that as a template, template to do the rest. Right. So, but have you ever had uh, someone just say, I don't like what you're doing and uh, give me my tapes back. You're not the guy for me. I think in the whole time I've done it, I've only had maybe one or two people that I, I, I couldn't please for sonic reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and when, Who are they? Now, Give now. us names right now. <laughs> I, you know, I, I can't even remember. There, there was one, one woman from California who she wanted a certain feel on the bottom end. Shirley mm-hmm. Jones? Uh, no. Yeah. no. <laughs> Good and, guess, though. But, but other than that, I, I've never had one that, that wasn't happy. Yeah. With the sound that I, I can recall, maybe, now maybe they were and didn't tell me, but they never expressed it to me. So. Well, well, so let's talk about the equipment you use. So, so, okay. so mastering your 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 Manny, just so you know, so you, you have a, a final uh, stereo mix that you've mixed down from all of your multi tracks, and then you can't just send that to the to the pressing lab because it's going to sound it's not going to sound big it's not going to sound warm it's not going to sound finished i right. mean it sounds good to you but if you put it up against other records that have been you know gone through this final process you're going like well it doesn't sound real so mastering is kind of what makes it sound like a real record it should it, it, it yeah that, for for listeners who maybe aren't familiar with it maybe i'll give an overview yes. there's kind of like three stages in making a record first stage is tracking or, or recording so you go in a, in a studio right. or whatever you put the mics up and you record all the instruments and these days they're usually each instrument is goes on its own track or its own now, we channel. don't want to get in too much in the weeds here oh, okay so we oh, want to cool. get on to what you do okay cool but uh, so at mastering you're using uh very um high quality compressors and eqs yes yeah um and it varies. I've, I've got a room full of, of gear, different, different compressors, different EQs, some of them tube, some of them transistor, because sometimes just putting this, the mix through a piece of gear, even before you turn a knob, mm-hmm. will give you what you're, you're looking for or, or put you in the right direction. It has a certain harmonic distortion that's pleasing because of whatever the circuitry or the tubes that are, it's going through. Right. And what one record needs another record may not need right so if for instance if a if a if a mix comes in and it's kind of thin and brittle often it can benefit from going through tubes because they have very pleasing harmonic distortion and and when i say distortion it's not like a crackling that you hear it's just it it results in kind of a fattening of the sound so if you have thin mixes you put it through whatever gear is going to fatten it up Mm -hmm. and, and push you in that direction and if you have stuff that's too fat, <clears throat> you might use transistor gear or even digital stuff. Yeah. Where, uh, in fact, we, w- with Ethan, years ago, I did a record for a group called the 88 out of Los Angeles. They were like the up-and-coming thing. Uh-huh. And they, they mixed it in the, in the box and Pro Tools. Right. And they went to another studio with a high-end console. And he sent me all the mixes. And, and it turned out that the rock and roll stuff... Um, like to be mastered one certain way and the digital uh, and the fine delicate things mm-hmm. like digital mastering because it preserved the little delicate details so, right. so it, it just there's no formula it just right. dep- and you can never tell till you listen to it and, and it's right. because you know when you hear it and and you know you and I have sat down and, and, and mastered records together yep. and we're yep. just sitting and we're listening and, and you know one of us will have an idea it's like hmm 
maybe I think such and such is happening in this range. And you'll mm-hmm. go like, mm, yeah, I hear that. And you'll, mm-hmm. you go, uh, you go, you'll start twisting a couple of knobs. You're like, how's that better? And you go, yeah, that is. And you go, yeah, I think so too. Mm-hmm. And then you'll move on. You'll go, Renee, what do you think about mm-hmm. this thing that's going on here? You know? And I go, yeah, yeah, I could hear that. Yeah. You know? Yep. <laughs> now I'll tell you something else that happens that uh, uh, most of high end mix engineers will send their material out to be mastered. You know, the, the best mix engineers in the country typically send it to somebody else to master. Right. And the reason is there's this psychoacoustic thing that happens where if you're working closely on a mix, mm-hmm. you know, no matter who it is, you work on it long enough, it, it's like you get blinders Blind on. Blind spots. Yeah, you yeah. start listening for like how loud are the guitars in this verse or how loud is the vocal. I've had mixes come in where we put them on for the first time and the client's sitting there and the mix engineer's sitting there and we're listening back and there's this big click in the middle of a mix, like a big click mm-hmm. or distortion or uh-huh. whatever. And I look over at the client and the mix engineer and they don't even hear it. Yeah, wow. I mean, and, uh. and this happens more times. And, and that's just one simple... There are other things that, that... What happens, your mind, which is your greatest asset, is also your worst enemy. Right. Because it adapts. And, and so when you're listening a bunch of times, you 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 Develop blind zone spots. out on blind spots. And so the main reason for using an independent mix, an independent mastering engineer, is they they'll listen to your mixes fresh. Right. And you can only hear it for the first time once. Right. So the, that's the big thing for using somebody like me. I mean, there are people here in town that could do a great job uh, mastering stuff. But if you're so close to it, they usually want to have someone else listen to it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, now, ahead, you're in the studio, and I, I am from Los Angeles. I've been to some music studios in my life, heard some bands record. Um, are you a guy who likes to work really late at night? Because it seemed like any time I went to any kind of music studio, I was there like 11 o'clock at night, and they were just starting. That's usually the, the guys that do the mixing, the, the tracking and mixing. Yeah. What I find is you gotta, your ears have to be fresh. Right. And your sensibilities have to be pretty finely tuned. So I don't like to work really, really long. You, get, you just get dull. You get fatigued. You get fatigued and you start making mistakes and you don't make good judgments. So unless I really have to get something out, I'll work until... I just feel... So you, you basically work like 9 to 5. You're a 9 to 5 I'm, kind of I'm guy. A, I'll work noon to 7 or 8, 9. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you're yeah. usually by yourself or with one other person, possibly. Most of my sessions are unattended. And I'll get them really? from okay. New York or L.A. or a lot from here in town. And, and I'll do what we talked about here where I'll, I'll, right. I'll master something. And here's the thing. If the clients are welcome to come... But what I've learned is what they're really paying me for. I'm letting the cat out of the bag here, telling people. No, no, that's cool. I've been on one of your. No, that's cool. That's um, Renee got to go. How come I don't get to go? Well, here's what. Not everybody is as well behaved as I am. Yeah, and in the early days, what would happen is bands they kind of want to be in on the mastering process. Right. And when I was just starting out, I was like, oh well, gee, okay, if you want to come, come. But what I realized is. The more people that are there, oh, yeah. the less I can concentrate. Right, yeah. And what they're really paying me for, or any mastering engineer for, is my concentration. Right. So I'll tell them. I'll say, look, it's your dime. If you want to be here while I'm mastering it, you're welcome to. But realize that if you're here, I can't concentrate 100% on your right. masters. I'm paying attention to you. And, what, and some people want to be on the phone. So right. I said, if you're cool with that, and you know, almost nobody comes anymore. Yep. 
Well, maybe they just don't like you. I don't know. I think I think that's a big part of it. I think that's a huge part of it. It's two hundred bucks an hour, right? Something like that. Right? I tried by the song. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh okay. No, well, you know, like when when you and I are in there, there's no chit chat. Now we'll finish working and we'll yes. sit and talk for two hours. Yes. But yes. while we're working, we we're, don't say anything. We're concentrating. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're the exception rather than the rule, in a good oh, way. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you know you. You don't want to spend those calories to not get it, you know, to, to have right. to listen to it for three, you know, three more minutes of your life and not accomplish that next thing you're trying to figure out. Right. Because if, if I screw up, it goes on the record. Yeah. See, if the, tr- if the tracking or mixing engineer screws up, there's somebody to catch behind them. Oh, and look. If right. I screw up. And there's nothing worse than you being the guy who's trying to do the good work now, and other people are in playtime, and they're like you said, you know, they're having conversations, they're talking. To, oh my God! Don't even get me started. As you that. know, oh, with bands and recording me. sessions, it's party time. Oh no! Okay, no, but no, so no. let me ask right, you this right. question. One last question about this. Um, so, has there ever been you, you receive the music and you're getting ready to do your mastering thing, mm-hmm. and you're listening to stuff and you're thinking, well, I don't have to do much at all. I don't really have to do much of anything. Sometimes, and, and that's the hardest thing to do, is to know when not to screw it up. Right. Well, that's, yeah. now, it, it rarely happens. There's, all, there's usually something, you know, a volu- little volume change. Or, and, and in fact, I, I, on that same line, I'll, I'll give you a brief story. Yeah. One of the best mastering engineers in the country is this guy named Greg Calby, who's at Sterling in New York City. Okay. And he came to New Orleans. We had, had a conference here in New Orleans, and he was the head guy on the panel and I, I was on the panel with him so we have our little panel and we, we, we met at the Sazerac Lounge to have a drink ahead of time and oh, we're nice. talking and Greg says and he's mastered the, all the great albums that you've heard well, a lot of them Greg says you know he says, I'm so lucky being in this position because I get the best mix engineers in the country right. sending me mixes and he says it, it's usually like tweak you know, a half tweak, a dB yeah, yeah. change here or there and he says, and I get patted on the back for what a great mastering job. And a lot of it, it it's just the mix. And here in New Orleans, I, have a, I, I love my friends and my clients here. A lot of them don't have quite the experience of like the top mix engineers in the country, although there's some great engineers here. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of times it's a little more involved fixing things. Uh, so it's rare that I, I, I do nothing, but it does happen. Okay, well, that, yeah, that, yeah, well, I, I, I'm sure it happened. It yeah. has to happen every yeah. once in a while where yeah. you're just like, well, this is great already. I don't need to do nothing to this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but just as you were saying, even just passing it through the equipment without turning the knobs up any yeah. brings it to that, that, it puts that final sheen on it that's going to yeah. make it sound like it's coming out of the radio or like it sounds like a real record. Yeah, I, I would say less than 1% of the time. Okay. Do I do nothing? But also now, I I, uh, I, I did a little homework, Renee. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. I did some homework. You know, yeah. I was thinking that before we get into the homework, we may, maybe might need to get another drink here. Yeah, let's do oh, that. Yeah, great yeah. idea. Because yeah. I, I got to pee really badly, yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah So, course. Nation, go take a leak. Go get, get a, a drink. Yep. Cool. Uh, or go master something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> master yourself. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay, we'll be right back. Okay. 
All right, we're back with back in the ring room, back yes. with uh, Manny Chevrolet, back with uh, Mr. Bruce Barriel, who just told right. us a fantastic podcast oh, story, God. but he did he wanted to be off the podcast. Like, yes, I don't off know. the record off for the some record. reason. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, I don't know why. Oh, it was okay. a great story. We can't go on, on how you, it, you, know? you you made love with a tuba or something like that. That was it. Yes, and you got a certificate of merit. It was it was warm and juicy. Why am I letting Bruce suddenly produce this episode? Yeah. Why, why, why yeah. am I letting the guest produce that? I, I yeah. know how to fucking do this. So why, yes. why am I taking advice from a mastering engineer? And you do a lovely a, job, How to make by a way. podcast, yeah. Great for job. Christ's sake. Thank, yeah. thank I'm you, I'm loving this. Thank you. Well, I think the only time I've ever been in that, that the Anwar studio that you worked at for so long, it's on Esplanade, yeah. right? Kingsway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Um, Which Nicolas Cage bought after. Right, well... In the early 90s, I was hired by Virgin Records to interview a lot of their artists. Oh, yeah. You, uh, you interviewed Iggy there. Yeah, I interviewed Iggy there. Yeah. Iggy Pop oh, was nice. working on, uh, I think it was the Cold Metal. American Caesar. Nice. Yeah, so, yeah, American Caesar. I think it was American yeah. Caesar. Great and, place, wasn't it? Oh, it was a fabulous place. Yeah, the Iguanas did our, our second record there. Yeah. yeah. yeah that, it was a great place. Iggy, I don't know if you know Jimmy. Yeah, uh, I don't know him personally. Yeah, but, but yeah. he's a great guy. He's yeah. a great guy. And apparently he, uh, he's into parrots lately. This is what I heard about our friend Iggy. That parrots, he par- birds. He's got oh, ca- cockatoos and parrots. Oh, okay. that okay. he like he talks to and uh, you know, you know. I- Iggy's a, he's an interesting character. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. You know, we have to get uh, 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 Glenn Styler back on the show and tell his Iggy story. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, no, he's got some good. Whatever ones. happened to that ones. guy? Glenn? No, he's 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 yeah, right yeah. in the wings. He's he's a phone call away. Oh. Yeah, 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 no, we could, <laughs> yeah we but could, we have to go to him. That's well, yeah, the problem. Of course, it's going to be a house call. It's going to be yeah, it's going to be a house call. Definitely. So. Let's jump back in um, to the mastering thing and talk about trends and mastering. So, sure. um, mastering is—it's a zero-sum game. I like to say it's—it's it's a, a limited oral environment. So, you can have loudness or you can have dynamic range. Right. So, for people that don't know, um, nowadays everybody wants their record to be loud so that right. when it comes on your crappy little earbud speakers mm-hmm. with the very low gain mm-hmm. um, and very inefficient speakers, it's, it will be audible over you know, the rumble of the Greyhound bus you're mm-hmm. riding on. Mm-hmm. Um, now, in the old days, they would make them much quieter in, in, in terms of the, the gain, but because right. we have volume knobs, like on right. our stereos, we can turn it up till it, it breaks the windows. Sure. So we don't need gain. But what that gave us was dynamic range. Talk about that. Well, I I think what happened is the record companies found out that when you're comparing different songs, different records, the louder one people perceive almost always as better. More powerful. Bigger, ballsier. But didn't like artists back in... I remember buying vinyl, you know, back in the day, because I'm I'm, I'm old, Mm -hmm. and I buy records and stuff. We all have many. Yeah, and... They would always say, like in the liner notes, play this side loud or play this record well, loud. Play it loud right. means turn it up loud. Well, right. yeah, okay, so right. why? So Well, because now everybody uses these devices that don't have, gain, don't have a lot of gain on them, you know, like these, the, the phone, you know, you're listening right. through tiny little speakers, they only go up so loud. So this is to, the death I know, of everything oh, oh, right uh, here. A digital. Yeah. Uh, Media. I'm it, pointing at Renee's phone at right phone. now. Nation. I, I, th- I mm-hmm. thought that was you're pointing at something else. But yeah. okay, good, good, good. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, so, so the record companies realize that everything else equal. If you put on two or three records, which or CDs, whichever one is the loudest, 
people that don't know are just going to perceive the loud one as just being bigger or better or whatever. So with that in mind, the, the record company reps kept pushing for louder and louder and louder records. Which is fine, except what? louder and louder. <laughs> right, right. That's man's humor. Right, right. Now, now the problem is there's an absolute limit. Let's call it digital zero. So right. when when you're working on a record, the records that they're made. If you look at 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 the recording, it's like a sine wave that right. goes up and yeah. down. All right. When you make a record bigger, that sine wave just gets bigger, it gets taller. But there's a top and a bottom limit. Right. That nothing can be. Can go past that. Right. Yeah. So when you when you make that record louder, and this is true for every mastering engineer, mm-hmm. the laws of physics apply to everyone. Yes, when, when, <laughs> yes, we're, we're all subject to the laws of physics yeah. on so, planet Earth. So, so when you make that well, yeah. across the universe, yes, uh, yes, all the known universes, right. Uh, so when you when you make that when you make that louder, the tops of those waveforms start hitting this digital zero, and you keep making it louder, and if you don't do anything about those wave tops, they will go past digital zero, and they'll start to distort. And by distortion, technically it just means different than the original, but if you keep going, you get what most people consider distortion, which is like crackling and, and stuff. Right, right. So the mastering engineer, a guy like me, we have to make these records loud, but we have to prevent that crackling and distortion. Yeah. So we have gear like limiters or whatever that catch those wave tops and kind of hold them down so they don't right. go past it's, digital It's a zero. variable amplification. So it, it, it detects, uh, detects something going beyond digital zero. It, it, it drops the gain on or drops the, the perceived perceived gain it squashes it we call it we could say call it slam we use a bunch of different words sure right all right so bruce let me ask you something yeah um um so how has being a lawyer helped you with mastery had it helped you at all it makes me love my job i was about to say that it makes him happy to get up and do it every day because he's not going in to fight with somebody over over it makes it makes me go what a great freaking job i got here all right so you say you get your stuff from the engineer or the producer of the of the of the band right they're in the studio they're laying down tracks they're doing all the stuff and then you get handed it gets handed to you right right and it's the producer engineer whoever they hand it to you right Mm -hmm. a record company a record Mm -hmm. company okay so who's like one I mean you don't have to name names but uh-huh. you, I'd like you to but okay. uh, who's like one person or one or two people like where you receive the mass, the tapes and stuff mm-hmm. and you say well god this is this is great I really don't have to do much work at all on this no we covered this already do we really yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. we covered this before the break well I'll, I'll tell you one that I, I mean I, ha- I still have to do something on almost everything but I did the no- most recent Ricky Lee Jones record yeah yeah, oh, yeah? I, I, I literally just finished it uh, a week or two ago and the mixes were were really, really nice. Now, was that but, uh, a Misha record? Yes. Where the okay? Uh huh. That's that's your old. That Misha was was on, on that uh, live iguanas record. Now, now Misha Misha tracked it, and okay. Nappy Mike Napolitano. Oh yeah, yeah. mixed sure. it. Okay, nice. And Mike and I bringing all in all the big oh, guns. And let me uh, Misha. Let me tell. Here's the story with Mike Napolitano, Napolitano and, and 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 Bruce Barrio. Uh, okay, well, who, you know, who I love. Ricky's not fucking around. Yeah. Right? Well, you know, there are a lot of good mix engineers in town. Nappy, mm-hmm. Mike Napolitano is one. And I have to brag on him. Do you know that the, I think the first two records he ever did, he worked under Dan Lanois. 
the first two records he ever did, if I understand it correctly, both went gold. Wow. Okay. Really? Squirrel Nut Zippers and Blind Melon. Okay. So here's a guy, he just had great sensibilities. Yeah. You know, so, and he does. He has a very, it's funny, mm-hmm. I, I, we, I did a record with him last year that I think you, you I, in fact, I know you mastered it, the... Uh, the Alex McMurray, um, oh. Now You Know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you did master that, right? I think, I think so. I, I, I've done a bunch of Alex's work. You for sure did it. Yeah, uh, okay. I know you did. Okay. Um, and, but we recorded that with, with Mike. With Nappy. He's great. And, yeah. you know, he he's, has just a very kind of nonchalant attitude, you know? Yeah. I mean, he, he has an opinion, but he's yeah. not precious about it. He's like, yeah. yeah, let's try that one. I like the way that one looks. Yeah. He's very <laughs> self-deprecating. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, what do I know? Yeah. Although, you know, he used to play guitar, I think, with either the Nevilles or the Meters. Did you know that? Oh, no, no. Yeah. He doesn't talk about it. Yeah. This is really? a wonderful yeah. guy, man. So, so, so Ricky Lee Jones, yeah. I mean, he's still making right. She. Oh, she. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Still, yeah. 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 A beautiful, yeah, he's still beautiful record. Yeah. Beautiful so record. now... Um, you do all this mastering. You do a lot of live stuff, I'm sure, too. No, 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 no. No, no live records? No, no. You don't do any live records? Not too much, although I just did a live record for Paul McCartney's music group. Well, that's what, yeah, that's what we yeah. want to get into. Yeah. So I, I saw a couple of months ago you posted something, um, and I'm new to social media. I'm only on book to promote this podcast. Cause yeah. I, you know, otherwise. I, but it has been nice because I've, I'm, I see shit that my friends like you are doing. Yeah. So I saw you, you were told the story saying you know I was contacted and I was asked to do one song yeah. by uh, Paul McCartney's company yeah. and I did it and then they sent me a few more and I yeah. did those yeah. and then they sent them back and, and said could you just change the track order yeah. and they had no notes on any of the mastering and you change the track order because that's one of the things you do in mastering is you set the, the besides doing what we talked about you also set the spaces in between songs, which is very critical as to how a record plays, mm-hmm. and, um, and the track order. So mm-hmm. all they changed was the track order, and you change it, and they said, we have nothing else. And then, right. so that was like maybe their tryout for you, or you know, just, just to see. So they yeah. fell in love with you because you're so good. And so now you're, you, you just finished your first full project for uh, Paul McCartney's company. It was, it was an amazing story. So, you know, I, I work... Well, you tell it better than me. Go ahead. Okay, if you, if you want. I, <laughs> yeah, I work please. at... The physical location is at, at the music shed here. And I, I let them put up on their website a lot of my mastering credits, you know, for TV shows like Grey's Anatomy and, right. and the OC and stuff like that. Uh-huh. You did Treme? I did not do Treme. Oh, okay, uh, no. And, okay, and, and so they get contacted looking for mastering of this project and uh, and I'm thinking this is oh and the letter says hi my name is so and so and I'm with Paul McCartney's music company MPL Communications and I'm thinking it's a friend of mine playing a joke on yeah. me you know? <laughs> <laughs> well you know, it, April mean, Fools was I mean you know, why, why yeah. in the world would Paul McCartney who can have any mastering engineer in the world why would he Pick me, you know, because you're a lawyer. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And needed some legal advice. Right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, two for one, you know, he's so, no dummy. Yeah, oh, he's yeah. Not a dummy. That guy's he, he, not a dummy yeah. at all. He's tight. So, um, so they said, well, we have a representative in town, uh, and we, w- would you be available to meet this week? This is like on a Wednesday, and I, okay. I'm thinking, okay, Friday. So we set up a meeting for Friday at noon, and I go home and I tell Meredith, and I said, Meredith. I, 
man, I don't know if I should take this meeting. She said, well, why not? She said, well, she said, I'm just, you know, this guy from London is going to come over and he's going to, I have had decent gear and I can really try and do a, a good job, but my facilities are really super modest. I mean, you know, yeah. they're nothing fancy. And I think he's going to walk into my place and he's going to look down his nose at my stuff and he's going to, gee, Bruce, thanks, but no thanks. Right. And it's nothing, I, I just don't need that. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so you have Mer- a very fragile self image. Yes. I, yeah. I, can, yes. I can pick up on I, that. I, yeah. It's a Meredith, <laughs> Meredith who's my biggest supporter. I love, she says, no, Bruce, go ahead. I said, okay. So Friday at noon, I'm sitting there and there's a little knock on the door and I'm kind of, I'm, I'm looking forward to it and dreading at the same time. So I open the door. It's Ringo Starr. And this, no. <laughs> this lovely. <laughs> Just as acting oh. as a courier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, Here, no. I got a package for it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And Paul this, said to give this, this to I you. was something once. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, Paul said to give this to you. Exactly. Right. No, no rush getting it back to us. Um, <laughs> and, and this lovely young lady that comes in, her name is Aoife. Spelled A O I F E. I think, think it's Gaelic or Gaelic. Okay. Yeah. I won't say her last name. I thought you said E fuck. E E fa. E fa. I won't okay. say her last name. Gaelic. Yeah, no. Uh, no. Yeah, okay. if it comes on the podcast. Shout pocket, out to Aoife. Yeah, yeah. If it comes on the podcast, filter it out because I don't want to. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Hashtag Aoife. So she, she appears at the door, lovely, with this smile on her face. And I think, wow, am I glad I took this meeting? Nice. And she comes in, and, and we just start talking. Did she start taking off her clothes? <laughs> come, man, come, come on, on I can't do that. you got to come down. not cutting it out, but just keep talking. Yeah. And, and so we have a, a lovely meeting. Okay. And, you know, she asks what I do, and I tell her. And, and uh, then she goes back, to, goes back to London and did not tell me what the project was, and I didn't ask. And I figured if they want to tell me, they'll tell me. Right. And went back. But, but she said, we, we're not... Uh, we're not going to divulge what the project is right now until after it comes out. So oh, I, I couldn't okay. really say. Oh, right. uh, and then they send me the mixes. I'm trying to edit this down. They send me the mixes, and it turns out it's Professor Longhair, who was one of our, one of the... the icon. Of, I, uh, modern icon of... He, he's, he's the... Louisiana the, music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's the... So he's, why does McCarthy have that music? McCartney. Yeah, yeah. McCartney. Well... well Charlie I, McCarthy. I, 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 I didn't know who MPL Communications was I should have because I've been in the business a long time, but I Googled it and come to find out it was Paul McCartney's music company. He owns everything. And and it is one of the largest music rights holders, if not the largest in the right. world, apparently. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think, wow, okay. So uh, uh, they had this, the rights to this record, um, Professor Longhair live on the Queen Mary. Because it's live on the Queen Mary presented by Paul and Linda McCartney. So they, they must have sponsored the original performance and, and had the rights to the, the, the recording. I found out later, uh, I didn't know at the time, that it was, it was to celebrate Paul McCartney and Wings' release of one of their records. Okay. And they had Professor Longhair play on the, on the Queen Mary f- nice. for that and recorded it. Because Paul has great taste. Yes. It's such a sweet boy. Oh, man. What the fuck, man? I mean, I, I, the, the Mozart of our time, I is think. Is there a better guy than him? Uh, I don't I, know. I, I, I can't no. think of one. So, I can think of a few, oh, but I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there right now. That's, that's yeah. why Manny's here, just yes, to say yeah. shit like that. Like, to keep us, keep us level-headed. That's right, yeah. right, right. So, so I, I'm, I'm just beyond the moon on this, and, and so they send me the mixes, and uh, I talk with Aoife and mention to her what we talked about earlier. I said, look, right. what, what I like to do is do one song first, send it to you, and then if you like it. And she said they have a mastering guy there in, in London, mm-hmm. I, I presume at Abbey Road, but I, I didn't ask. I mastered the first one, and the the mixes it was done in the 
in the 70s, uh, live recording. And live recordings are usually problematic. Yes. You know, you, you have Always. PA speakers bleeding back. And, and the best live recordings are usually just okay, you know. But, but anyway. Uh, Grand like, Funk Live. Like Woodstock. Okay. But anyway, so, uh, so I get it, and I master one, and I send it to her. I send it to them, and uh, wait a couple of days, and I don't hear back, and I'm thinking, damn, they hate it, you know? <laughs> I have no confidence. Bruce, man. we got to work on yourself. <laughs> I, I, I have none. <laughs> and, uh, but do you uh, actually think, you know, it's, it's going all the way to McCartney and he's giving the okay? Oh, I don't think so. I yeah, don't, I, don't was, think so. I don't think so either. I, don't so. Think so. I do. I no, think. I don't think so either. No, I think McCartney's like letting his. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Do Paul is. He's Paul. He's a very conscientious he's gone, guy, man. Really? No, he's, I yeah. think he. I think he's got time. Anyway, go yeah. on. But but I, I don't ask. That, that's their right, business. Right. If they want to tell me, they'll tell me. So so I mastered and sent it to him and. Uh, I don't hear for a couple of days, and I think they're hating it. And then I walk in, and I get this, I get this email. We love it, you know, not 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 we like it or it's approved. Right. We love it. I, 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 I can't I can't tell you. Even right now, I'm getting tingles just thinking about that. But it's the whole experience because this this lady Efa was just so sweet and professional. Like, right. let me mention also, not only was she lovely to work with, but but quick like when we were talking about details and stuff she right. wasn't taking any notes but she remembered everything yep. really? I, I was impressed i was going man this is this girl's this yeah. woman is really bright so let me ask you a question this professor long hair guy how yeah. long was his hair long enough uh long enough to make him a permanent icon in the louisiana uh, music okay. scene yeah because i don't know anything about you don't know professor are you yeah. living here no we i need do to, live here yeah i live need to here. educate this guy a little you know bit. I, so, I can only do so much Bruce, <laughs> you know? so speaking about uh, uh he, he's one of the pillars of, of louisiana yeah, my wife. Yeah, partners. my wife told me a little bit the about Bach of rock. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's mm -hmm. another like uh, British uh, mm -hmm. pop uh, rock icon, uh, Mick Jagger. Oh yeah, yeah, we, uh, yeah. yeah. They yeah. Uh, are pivoting to this man. Yeah, well, yeah, because <laughs> he's been saving this for the whole podcast. Yeah, uh, well, we're talking about <laughs> it's yeah. topical. You know. Yeah, yeah I well, love, because I love Jagger the Stones have canceled their tour and they're not yes. coming to Jazz Fest. Yes. Right. Yes. You know and. Uh, I, I, I could care less about that, you know, to tell you the truth. But I thought, you know, he's got to have open heart surgery. Is that right? Yeah. I think he just has to have a valve, uh, some valve well, they're going to cut him. They're going to cut his chest Is that right? Up. Yeah, they're cutting his chest open. They're going to do that really? valve, man. Yeah. Ah, yeah. God, he's 75 fucking years old, tough, man. man. It's tough. Yeah. It's but tough. I thought it would be really funny. If, like, after he comes out of the surgery and after, like, you know, the anesthesia wears off, that Keith is sitting by his bedside with a heart going, Hey, buddy, what's going on? <laughs> I think that would be hilarious. <laughs> you ready to go on to him, mate? <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, well you know, we all know that Keith will have the last laugh, of course. Of course. So, you know, uh, our, our former Trouble Men podcast guest, John Swan. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're friends on the social media as well mm -hmm. as in real life. The but, music critic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember he, that. He was at, uh, at Altamont. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, and, and almost, but he didn't make it to Woodstock. Didn't make it to Woodstock. Mm -hmm. No, no. He was at some Jersey festival. Because he, uh, he was sick 
yeah. the day before, and he thought, well, I'll just take a bus in the second day. Right. Of course, nobody was taking yeah. the bus in the right. second day. Didn't work out right. for him, yeah. He right. saw all the same bands at the Atlantic City Festival two right. weeks later, yeah. which he couldn't believe I'd never heard of. But, wow. you know, he's wow. older than us. Wow. Anyway, wow. so he, he was posting something about, you know, yeah, you know, he's, he's a journalist, great journalist. Yeah. Um, and uh, he, was ta- he was reporting the news of, of Keith I mean, of uh, Mick and, you know, his, his, his surgical procedures that was going to save his life. And I said, mm-hmm. meanwhile, Keith will piss on all of our graves. <laughs> yeah. That was my, and I never yeah. comment on social media, but I did yeah. say that. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, no, what, what someone, someone's been posting for the last few years is like, um, what kind of world are we going to leave for Keith Richards? You know? Right, right. I know, I know. We, we have to be yeah. more conscious. Yeah, we have to more keep, conscientious. Yeah, about we're this. all conscientious yeah, yeah. about it. What kind of world <laughs> yeah. are we going to leave for Keith? You know, I don't right, know. So, I'm doing my best. Back wow. to back to a so now, But I wanted okay. to talk about this because sure. you're also this master and you're a lawyer. And not anymore. I don't practice. No, no, you don't practice in many law. years. For, yeah. and so you gave it up completely. Yeah, you gave really? up. So the, you're not even. You, you left oh. the bar as as the mastering cases increased yes. I just quit taking any new legal cases right. and I just I, I just settled them all I didn't abandon any client just settled right. them all I, 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 I haven't done I haven't done any law stuff in 10 15 years now okay why but you're, would you why would you yeah, right yeah, yeah. yeah. leave it yeah. to the young you know yeah. punk let somebody lawyer. else who likes it do it yeah, yeah yeah but um but you're also a photographer yeah Okay, that and was my like first your first love. love. You talked about that earlier. Yeah, yeah. So, have you had any shows or anything with your sh- uh, f- uh, photos and stuff? I don't do any shows. I, I just uh, a, a friend of mine when I was at LSU, um, my then girlfriend gave me my first camera, and I right. You, I, yeah, I, I, went, I went into the, yeah. the yearbook office, and they hired me, and and okay. uh, and a friend that I met then, a guy named Jimmy Jones, has stayed with photography like I, I did it for a year or two with Frank Miller yeah. and then put the camera down and didn't touch it for many 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 years and I was contacted out of the blue on Facebook mm-hmm. by my friend who I used to work with at the LSU yearbook and wow. he says is this, is this the Bruce Burrell that used to work for the LSU gumbo <laughs> and I said yeah and he says well I still do photography and I, I what year did you graduate I graduated LSU in 74 Okay. okay. Way, way, good way year back. For me. That was way, good way, way. Yeah. And so he invited me on a shoot of his. He sets up shoots, and I'll show you if you'd like after the podcast. I'll show you some photos and stuff. And he sets up uh, shoots. I like s- to see photos. So I, he invited me on one, and uh, it was he hires these models that travel the country and they do artistic mm, nudes like and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. so when he invited me on it, I said, well. Let me invite Meredith, my girlfriend. I right. said, so she'll know there's no hanky-panky going on. You're still your girlfriend? Yes. You haven't married this girl? S- 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 well, we've been together for... She, she's too smart when to marry When are you going to make an honest woman of Meredith? So we invited, invited Meredith here. on the first, on the first <laughs> okay. shoot to see that okay. everything's on the up and so, so Because I Googled image you earlier today because oh. I, I tried to do my homework. Oh, cool. And I noticed some photos of shotguns. I I noticed some photos of, like, shotguns and stuff like that. Shotguns. Shotgun houses. Houses, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, some... Yeah, some... Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't really... uh, It's up there. It's it's a website. It's one of those very kind of fly-by-night things that you might... Someone might approach you and, like, 
here's an art site that you might want to be involved in. Oh. And so you posted a few photographs of your art photographs oh, of okay. architectural stuff, and they're there. Okay. And that's maybe, I don't know, it's, it's, it's one of those that's ghost weird. things that's, that's weird. just out there. Because architectural photography, yeah, I've done that, because that's mm-hmm. what I learned with Frank Miller. Yeah. And like Mannheim Galleries, who's here in the French Quarter. Okay. When I was working for Frank, shout they, out to Mannheim Gallery. Yeah, they they had the largest selection, the, the largest collection of of jade for sale outside of communist China, and so they would send okay. their jade over to our studio, and we would set it up and light it and take pictures of that for magazines. So wow. that's my that's my photographic background. But I'll show you some of the other so stuff. So let me get, get, get back to mastering okay. for a second. Um, oh, good. Uh, I like it. Man, he's, man, he's pulling <laughs> back to mastering. Whoa, I, think yeah. I, I think I have a convert here. <laughs> no, no, no. Go no. on, I Manny. Mean, uh-huh. So <laughs> is mastering done on films? On film soundtracks? They could, they, In a sense, right? They could. I mean, I, I, I've mastered... I, I mentioned earlier that group, the 88 out of Los Angeles. Yeah, that yeah, either, yeah, yeah. Um, that record that I did... I, w- I did it in my house, and Meredith heard it. There's a point to this. Meredith heard what I was doing. It was for Ethan. And a month or so later, she goes back in the back to watch the TV, and she says, Bruce, turn on channel so-and-so. Oh, wow. It's your stuff. And I turned it on, <laughs> yeah. and it was like Grey's Anatomy, the number uh, one or two rated show at the time. Yeah, Grey's Anatomy. And it's a song sure. from that record. The, yeah. the 88 is well, the name of the group. Well, that's what I'm saying. So, wait, wait, hold yeah, on. Okay, 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 yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So... A couple of days later, Bruce, turn on a different channel. It's the OC or whatever, a different top-rated show, a right. different song right. from the same record. A couple of days later, The Real World, a third song oh, from the same record. I remember that record that Ethan produced. So do you yes. get that, paid? I think, I yeah. think almost every yeah. one of those things. No, he got paid. It's, it's all yeah. work for hire. Right. That's how we work. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. Exactly. All, we don't get percentages. Right. You know, we right. work by the hour. We do our work, and we move right. on. And we... Right. we we reap the benefits of having done the good work. Right, right. right. So, for whatever that's worth. Well, <laughs> no, it's, no, it's worth, it's worth everything. It, it is, Bruce, actually. I, I think. I, I agree. You know, I, no, I agree. I agree completely. But yes, to, so that record, I remember that record. I think they placed almost oh, like every, eight out of ten songs. No, no, they placed ten every, out of ten every, songs. Every song. <laughs> plus, plus the, the guy, the songwriter in the band Shout called me up. Ethan Allen, he said, you're look, a fucking prince, no, man. Look, look. He said, we, we have, we got placements in two major motion pictures. I'm saying, yeah. uh, You, Me, and Dupuis, it was either the first or the last yeah. song in there. Right. And Failure to Launch with Sarah, Sarah Jessica yeah, Parker and Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, yeah. First or last song in that. So, so, so what happened out of that I'm, I'm thinking, you know, every almost every song on this record got licensed, yep. and but this is a group out of L.A., and I have a bunch of music clients and friends here in New Orleans that are doing work that's yes as good. You and I it, have had this conversation as, as good, if not yes. better. Yes, and I'm thinking, why why aren't they getting these licensing deals? And I, I just realized proximity. We, we we don't have the industry. Here. We don't infrastructure. Have, we don't have the music supervisors here in Louisiana, and so when I was still practicing law, they used they, they still have every year this conference right um, that you could go to. Half of it's music, and half of it's legal. Like you have to take these legal right. courses. Yeah. And I said, you know, but on the legal side, they would have um, producers in the music industry. And I said, well, let me go to that, mm-hmm. and I can get my credit. And let me investigate whether there's a market for my friends here right. to license their stuff. 
I didn't want anything out of it. I just wanted to promote my friends. So I go to... That's how... What a sweet guy Bruce is. He, he's, he's a selfless person. Anyway, let's yeah. move on. Yeah, well, we already know that, right? Okay, I'm sorry. So I go to this conference, and at, at the, the first speaker talks, and she, it's this lady who had just produced a record. I mean, it just produced a, I'm sorry, it just produced an independent film. Okay. And I go talk to her and I say, look, my name is Bruce. I, I'm a lawyer, but I don't practice anymore. But I, and I told her the story about the 88, how everything was, was licensed. Right. I said, do you have any need for Louisiana music to license? And I'm sitting with a yellow pad. And she says, can I see your yellow pad? And I said, yeah, sure. And I'm expecting her to go, get the, get the hell out of here. She spit on it. So she takes my yellow pad and the pen and she starts writing stuff. She says, here's my name and number. Here's my PA, my production assistant's name and phone number. She says, anything you've got, I will listen to. I'm thinking, I'm thinking something's wrong with this picture. <laughs> no, wait, it's not over. So the next panel comes up. It's like a little 45-minute panels. And there's a lady who, who's on, B, she was a producer on BET, Black Entertainment Television. So she comes off, and I give her the same, I, I tell her, look, you know, I, I'm just trying to find out if, if I can help my clients market their stuff. She said, I said, do you have any kind of need for, do you have any database of Louisiana music or whatever? She says, you know, Bruce, she says, there's one, but it's so overused and dried up, we don't even like to use it anymore. She says, can I see your yellow pad? Again with the yellow pad. And I handed it to her. Because he's a former lawyer. He's got the fucking yellow pad. All right, calm down. Take it easy, man. Take it easy. This is as calm as I can be. I'm sorry. So she she writes her number. Now, what I tell both of them, I said, look. You're totally right, man. I said, said, the the one thing I don't want to do, I said, look. No, he's shaking his head. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, you're you're from L.A. You know how rare this is. Yes. No, he's just just so disgusted with me. It's nothing just once new. a week, Bruce. <laughs> I know. I love it. Can it's I come back for another one just, yeah, just to sit here and, yeah. and, and cheer yeah. and clap for, for y'all? Sure, for sure, yeah. <laughs> so, so she writes it, and I'm saying, look, I don't have the time to, to start a music licensing business. And the, the one thing I don't want to do, I said, I don't want to say, oh, I'm going to do this, and I don't come through. Right, right. And so the third panel, there's, a, there's an attorney from Philadelphia. Uh-huh. And so I go to talk to him. And uh, he, says, uh, he says, Bruce... He says, I'll listen to anything you send me. I'm thinking, this is like too good to be true. This is like three out of three. And he says, but I'll tell you one thing. I said, what's that? He says, this is back in the kind of the days of CDs. He said, you know those full-size CD holders? Mm -hmm. He said, send those. Don't send those little thin things. And he says, you know why? I I, I said, I got no freaking idea. He says, because if you send me something... And I like it, and I think it's appropriate for one of my mm-hmm. clients. He says, I'm going to call them, and they're going to send their production assistant over to my office, and I'm going to hand them the CD that you sent me. They're going to take it back, and they're going to go to the basement. We don't, have, we don't have basements here. They're going to go to the basement, and in the basement, there's a wall, and they're going to put it there. And if it's not the full-size CD holder, They'll if it's never the thin one, it again. The, yeah. they won't, you won't be able to write the identifying information yeah. on the spline. And what that told me... Spline, okay. If, it's a new it, word for you. For if, man if, podcast. He, yeah. if I he, I pulled mine earlier. Yeah. <laughs> spline. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, he, if he were bullshitting me or blowing me off, he wouldn't have taken the time to tell me that. Right. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so the, 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 the lesson, not for me here, is that... There's a market out there. This is to all my friends in, here in New Orleans. There's a market Listen out there people. for Louisiana music. 
You just have to get it to the right people. Now, what I know as being a lawyer, what they're concerned with, they don't want to take unsolicited material because it opens them up for lawsuits. Sure. sure. If they take, Joe Blow sends them something and they accept it, then if another client of theirs has this big hit and the cords are somewhat somewhat similar, similar, they're going to get sued. So what they want, they they want to filter what comes into them. So you just got to, that's why they usually they'll require it come invited, through an attorney, yeah. like a vampire. Like you know, when when a vampire comes to your house, they can't just walk in the door. <laughs> they have to be invited in, right? Right, Look, right. That right. was a pivot, Renee. Right. 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 Okay. That was a pivot for sure. We're going to and, vampires now. <laughs> yeah, no. And here's how how much of vampires we're going. We actually have to have to wrap up here, Bruce. Okay, cool. Can I give one last piece of advice to, to wrap this up for my friends? Absolutely. The very final. So Absolutely. what I would do if if I were a Musician in yes. this area, yes. knowing that we're kind of in a in a vacuum. Yes, I would get net, I would get Netflix. Okay, and I would go to the end of each. Ep- okay, this of, is of golden m- advice about to come out of Bruce's mouth. I would go, go to, the, to the end of each episode, yes. and there will be a music supervisor listed. Find that guy, and I will look him make up. A, I would get out your, make your yellow pad. Yes, and I would write down all those names. Yes. Just, I just. Make this your homework assignment. Write down all the names. I would physically make a trip out to L.A. or wherever and just go talk to these people in a non-pressure way. Just say, look, hey, listen, I'm... Here's who I am. I'm a Louisiana musician. Right. Now, it'd be good if you could associate yourself with someone else that has sold something. I I haven't sold it, but I'd be happy to help anybody that wants to come. And associate yourself with somebody that... Like Manny Chevrolet. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And, He's known and, in L.A. Right. Yeah. And then, Two free stooges. Yeah, so. well, I'm uh, also hated in L.A., too. <laughs> yeah, well, so maybe not. Just so, kind of no, keep it ambivalent. All know. right, before we wrap up mm-hmm. here, Bruce, mm-hmm. you've been a fabulous guest. I've learned Thank a lot. Thank you. No and, kidding, man. Haven't yeah. we all? Yeah, we But so... Um, learned a lot about ourselves, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> learned, I could stand uh, one more drink before we get out. No, okay, I'm just, well, I'm just kidding. I learned that you're... drinks are available. I learned that you're walking home. Widely available. You're walking home. Right. So Bruce, so Bruce, so Bruce. Yeah, okay, you worked I'm with a lot of famous artists. You've mastered a lot of famous. So um, to get down to it, I don't know what your musical influences are. I don't know what you like. But what was your favorite project? Just can you name the band? And, and you don't if you don't want to. My favorite project. I, I, I don't have. I don't have a favorite. What I what here's what I love. Or did you have a project? Someone came to you and said, "We need you to master this," and it was like, "Oh, I love these guys. I love these guys." I, I'll tell you one. And of don't my, say the iguanas. One of my most difficult and rewarding. Okay, yeah, that's what I was getting to. Yeah, the radiators. After Hurricane Katrina, uh, Ed the who did a lot of the songs. Ed Volker. Love Ed Volker. Great guy. And I had mastered some stuff for them. And he came to me and he says, look, we want to do a retrospective. We have a ton of tapes. They Uh used to play at like Liuzas. Liuzas, yeah, yeah. And he told me what they would do. They would take microphones. It was so crude. And they would throw the microphones up through the rafters rafters. and let them hang down. And they recorded this. They had like a little quarter-inch tape machine and all. They had all these tapes that had been underwater in Katrina. Oh, wow, okay. And the tape machine itself had been underwater in Katrina. And a lot of times, the tape machine that you recorded on, it's kind of optimized for playback for those tapes. Right. 
So they bring them to me, and they wanted to do like a two-album set. And I'm thinking, these tapes are underwater? <laughs> and They survived? It, yeah, and yeah. we got them to play. We got the machine to run. Wow. We got the tapes to play. And it was so funny because they were like on a big reel-to-reel, and I didn't have the starting times. Yeah. It, it was a lot of work, but it was so rewarding because yes. it came out sound, considering the source, it came out sounding freaking amazing. And this was the radiator. I'm getting chills. This is yeah. the, oh, the radiator. Okay. Yeah. Now you also yeah. work with Amanda Shaw, right? I, I did. Yeah. That was a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, because I got a thing for her. Oh. So do you know how to get a hold of her? I, I, I don't. Uh, I think we've worked that out. Bruce, thank you so much oh, for man. being here. I love it. I love it. Yeah. It wasn't this fun? This is so all, nervous, all, but... Uh. I, I was, because I didn't want to like, <laughs> brag and stuff. Man. Well, I don't think you have at all. Good, good, yeah, yeah. good. So, Manny, you know, as always on the Trouble Manny podcast, whatever this is called, we like to say uh, trouble never ends. But the struggle continues. Good night, nation. Good night. <laughs> good night. Good night.